but I think we want to hear you preach more than we want to sing today. Well, Brother Ed, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. And Michael, where is Michael? In the back. Thank you for that wonderful communion thought, brother, and for all the work that you are doing with our uh, youth group back there. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Keep up the good work. We really, really appreciate you. I uh, want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always, always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And we believe you've come to the right place this morning because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of this side of glory. Amen. So we're, we're thankful that you are here uh, with us. I want to thank real quick all of our VBS volunteers. It's really awesome when we have a Sunday that happens right before vacation Bible school, and I get to preach with all of this theatrical stuff behind me. So I want to I want to say thank you to all of our VBS volunteers. We had an amazing uh, week, right? It started with Sunday afternoon. We had a canvassing event, and typically when we do canvassing and door knocking, I, I get a little concerned because I don't think many people are going to show up. I figured it'd be me and Alicia and Michael and maybe a couple of others. But much to my surprise, we had 18 people Sunday after church. And, and what was so exciting is we met at 2 o'clock, which meant they went home, and they could have stayed home. They went home and then came back, and we went out, and we canvassed, we knocked some doors. So thank you to everybody who came out for that. And then yesterday, we did some additional canvassing, and I guess Saturday is a bad day because there's only about uh, eight of us. But I want to thank those who came out and helped with our canvassing uh, yesterday. So we knocked a few doors. We had uh, multiple conversations with people. And I think that God was well pleased through our efforts. And I, I, I don't want to call out everybody's name because I get in trouble with that when I do that because I forget certain people, so forth and so on. But uh, special thanks to uh, Vic who came out and hung out with us with a sure, <laughs> sure sore shoulder and all. Say that three times fast. And uh, Chris Hanby, who came out, uh, and Susie for helping with this behind me. And uh, I want to make this announcement. We have a, uh, a meeting afterwards, after our service today, concerning VBS. So for all of you guys who are volunteering and want to know what's going on this week, we've got some information to give you. So real quick meeting after service. Uh, today to, to square away some things. If you have not registered your children yet, you still have today and tomorrow, okay? So we want you to get online and register your young ones. And if you don't register within the next two days, I want to be a meanie, but I'm not. If you show up on Tuesday, we'll still take them, okay? We're still going to take them. So uh, we, we want your kids here with us, and we're going to have a phenomenal time couple of stories to tell you about our canvassing event. We had two people in particular that were bit by the evangelism bug. Okay, one was Sophia Acosta. We went over to the apartment complexes across the street, and Sophia takes off. I've never seen her move so quickly. And she met some families, and in particular, she met one family with six children. 
And they didn't speak English, as I understand it, or not very well. And Sophia went and spoke Spanish to them and invited her and all of her children to come to Vacation Bible School. So I thought that was one of those victories that we can celebrate. So Sophia, keep up the good work. The other person that you guys know who is bit by the evangelism bug is Brian Fouch. Where is Brian Fouch? Brian Fouch is a stud. Uh, We were supposed to meet at the park at 3.30. Our canvassing was supposed to be over. We met at the park 3.30. No Brian. So we waited around for about five, ten minutes. Still no Brian. So I had to walk back to the church building, hop in my car, and drive around the neighborhood looking for Brian Fouch. Brian went up and was knocking each door that he went to, having two-hour conversations with people. So I had to wait for him and then tell him, Brian, get in the car and let's go. So uh, it was so exciting to see our congregants involved in evangelism that way. Uh, Ray McPeak was telling me a story about uh, a, a time ago where he did some canvassing, and he invited someone to vacation Bible school, and they actually showed up. And when they showed up, they said, where is your organ? Where is your piano? Are you guys too poor to afford these things, right? This conversation continued on, and now that individual that he invited to church is an elder at the Bakersfield Church of Christ. So all I'm saying this morning, church, is you never know. When you put forth a little effort to invite and to talk to someone and to do evangelism, that's all God is asking from us. And I believe that if we just plant the seed, God can do the rest So I'm so excited about what we're doing with VBS this year. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your help. My family is back from New Hampshire. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Mary and Alayla and Izzy are back. Alayla has crutches. She broke her foot. uh, But they are back after leaving me for about three weeks to go to New Hampshire. So I am so happy that my peanut butter and jelly diet uh, gets to be thrown aside. Uh, So they are here, and I'm happy that they're back uh, with us. And my mother is here with us this morning, Susan, and my sister, uh, Jasmine. So it's just, I'm I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell. This is an exciting Sunday for me. Today, we're going to close out our sermon series on the essence of worship. We've been working our way through this material, and in week one, we asked a question, and the question was, what is worship? And we define worship as an offering to God, if you can remember that far back. And we also talked about five different acts of worship. And I hope and pray that as I mention that right now, you can go through your mind and remember the five acts that we mentioned, and that helped us to define and to answer that question, what is worship, okay? Then last week, we asked a follow-up question, and the follow-up question is, well, well, why do we worship in the first place? What is the point of our worship? And we answer that question by saying, God doesn't need any of us to worship him. And we use the text particular in the Gospels where Jesus said, if you don't worship me, the rocks will cry out and sing my name. God doesn't need us to worship him, so why do we worship him? And we looked at some passages, and what we've come to understand is that worship is for our benefit. God says you worship me so that I can take care of you and bless you. It's for your benefit. And today, as we finish up our sermon series on worship, we want to ask the question, how do we worship? How do we do this? How do we worship? The first passage of Scripture that I want to look at this morning is found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. And by the way, in your bulletin this morning, you have about 20 papers, okay? 
You can filter through them and look for the sermon outline, and I would encourage you to fill in some of these principles that are highlighted in red. I want to talk about this principle. You know, there are two masters that we as humans worship in the world today. And I think the scripture is very clear here in defining what those two masters are. The Bible says here, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So from this passage of Scripture, what I begin to understand is that there are two masters that draw our attention. One is God, the other is our quest for money. And as I begin to exegete this a little bit, I begin to think about, well, what are God's requirements for us? What does He want us to do if we are called to serve Him? If we give our lives to the Lord in service to Him, what does He require? Well, number one, He requires us to honor Him first and to place Him first in our lives. Number two, He says, put others before yourself. Number three, he says, become a part of the church family and be dedicated to one another. And then lastly, I believe God says another requirement is you have to be self-controlled. You see, that's God's requirements. Now, what is money's requirements? If you so choose to serve money and to worship money, right? The scripture is very clear that we shouldn't do that. But here are some of money's requirements, in my opinion. Money says you honor the almighty dollar. That's what money says. Money says you neglect your family and friends, etc., to spend your time at work to make sure that you have enough, right? That's what money requires if you worship it. Money says you don't have too much time to be involved at church because you're tired from the work Week And money also says, when you get your money, party hard. Enjoy it. So we have this juxtaposition, this interesting dichotomy concerning two things that we worship. So the question is, which I know most of us, all of us here have this in mind, we choose to place God first. And if we do so, how do we approach him through, through worship? Well, we're going to clear that up this morning. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and I'm not going to put it up on the screen just yet. I want you to take out a hard copy of your Bibles. Can you believe that? A hard copy. Or your iPhone or your tablet or whatever you have. Amen. I want to look at Luke chapter 18, starting in verse number 9, and we see two individuals that approach God in worship. And I think through this story, we can begin to understand how we are called to worship God. When we approach him. Verse number 9, Luke chapter 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. <laughs> God, I thank you that I am not like those other men, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector who is right here next to me. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But verse number 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home, what? Justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew, or Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. To give us a little bit of historical context, we know that Luke chapter 18 starts off with Jesus giving a parable about the importance of prayer. If you look up in your Bible just a little bit, and Jesus is trying to teach people that, look, I want you to be consistent and persistent in prayer. And he uses the story of this persistent widow who had some difficulties when it came to the courts, right? She wanted some legal help, so she continued to bother and to bother this individual who was in a position of authority. And Jesus says, look, I want you to be consistent and I want you to be persistent in prayer. And that's what God wants from his People. And then we continue on to verse number 9, and Jesus tells this interesting parable about this Pharisee and tax collector. And we've spent a lot of time talking about tax collectors, right? We mentioned Zacchaeus a few weeks ago. Tax collectors, or publicans, as many of your Bibles say, were not good people. They swindled people. They really served money rather than God. And what's so interesting about this passage is that the tax collector went home justified rather than the righteous man. Well, why is this? Well, the scripture is very clear. The Pharisee thought they were more righteous of other people because of their deeds. And I think from time to time, if we're not careful, all of us can fall captive to Pharisaic tendencies, especially if we've been in the church long enough, right? We can all fall captive to that. Look at what I'm doing. I'm here serving at the church. Where is everybody else? I'm involved. I'm working hard. I'm giving. Where is everybody else? And we begin to compare what we're doing to what other people are doing. And God says, if you're going to approach me through worship, you've got to get rid of that in your head, right? You're not supposed to compare yourself to other people. And look at your deeds and look at someone else's deeds and say, look how good I'm doing. Instead, God wants uh, us to approach him in in a very similar way of this tax collector, which is really interesting. So if you look on your outline this morning, we've got a question for you. And the question is this, how do we worship God correctly? How do we worship God correctly? You see, I could have done a Church of Christ sermon and told you how not to worship God correctly, right? I could have easily done that. And the passage that I could have used is the the section of Nadab and Abihu, right? We talk about that often, right? They offered a strange fire to the Lord, right? And I can spend time talking about all the things that we shouldn't do in order for us to worship correctly. But this morning, I wanted to think about some proactive things, things that we could do to make sure that we're approaching God through worship correctly. 
So I've got four principles for our learning this morning. The first is this. When we approach God through worship, we have to make sure that we prepare ourselves mentally. Prepare ourselves mentally. What does this mean? Psalm chapter 46 and verse number 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, I recently saw... Uh, a television program, I think it was on the news, and it was talking about depression, in particular in young people. And this study said, in order to rid yourself of depression, there are two things that you need to do. Number one is you need to meditate, and then the second thing you need to do is run, right? So you have these college students that were sitting in this gymnasium, all of them were meditating, and then immediately if they began to meditate, they got on the treadmill and ran a mile. And the study shows that their depression was almost non-existent after a few months. There's something about preparing ourselves mentally that can get us through anything that we struggle with. God says, if you're going to come to worship me on Sunday morning, you need to be mentally prepared and ready to enter into my presence. But if you're like me, things get in the way in the morning, don't they? You know, one of the things that I think back, my mother's here, one of the things that I think back uh, about in growing up is that uh, uh, I used to pre- prepare myself for church um, Saturday night because one of the things mom used to make me do is she would make me iron my shirt Saturday evening, right? So I'd have to get my shirt out of the closet, and mom would say, that shirt, uh-uh, you need to go iron that thing. So I would be sitting back there, ironing my shirt, putting the spray starch on, right? And I would actually be preparing myself for worship because we took it that seriously in the morning. So I would iron my shirt in the morning, I would hang it out, and I would always be prepared and thinking about, hey, I got to put my best on and look my best for the Lord, right? One of the things that my dad used to do is every Sunday morning, and I think he still does it, is he sings church songs in the morning right when he wakes up, right? Um, I have found a friend in Jesus. That's my dad every single morning on Sunday morning. And I used to think that was so strange, but what he was doing is he was preparing himself to enter into the presence of God. Some of you in the morning when you get up and you're ready to go to church, you open up your Bibles and you read some scripture or you spend some time in prayer. And that's what I do in my office. I'll be back there praying sometimes, just trying to prepare myself so that when I get into the presence of God, I can shut out everything and be prepared to solely focus on Him. That's how you worship correctly. So when you come to church, you're mentally prepared to give God your everything. And I would encourage you to do that. The second thing that we do, and this is a tough one, is we have to make sure we reconcile with our brother or sister in Christ. Matthew chapter 5 verses 23 and 24 says this, therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Have you ever tried to worship at church when you had a problem with a brother or sister in Christ? Have you ever tried that before? It's really tough. Many of you who've been involved in the church for a long time or have been in ministry know from time to time that in the church you get in little disagreements with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's part of it, right? You can't come to church and not be bothered or get offended from time to time. So that's what you sign up for. You got to be prepared for it. But there are times when we come to church and we have an issue with someone and our worship is all off, isn't it? 
We can't really focus. We have a problem. We can't even look at the person, much less sit next to them, right? So that's why the Scripture says if you're going to worship, make sure you're reconciled first. Any of you spouses this morning ever had a good knockdown, drag-out fight on your way to church, right? Mary and I, we've been good. We had not had a fight since we've been here. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing myself. Oh, she, she's changing her mind. Excuse me. Maybe we have, right? But there is something about it. You could be on your way to church, and you and your significant other could be fussing the entire way. As soon as you open up the church building doors, what do you do? Hey, brother, sister, how are you? Good. God, God is good. Bless. Bless. You make sure you, 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 you don't look like you were fighting or had any problems, right? And then you come into the church, and you try to focus on worship, and y'all know you're not right, right? So when you're passing the communion tray to your spouse, y'all looking at each other. You know, it's a problem. So Scripture says, whatever we do, when we come to worship, we have to do our best to make sure we're reconciling those issues so that we can worship Him with a clear mind without any problems. That's a biggie there that sometimes we neglect when it comes to worship. So when we show up, we have all this unresolved stuff. And God says, I don't want that. I want it to be squared away. I want you to be reconciled. Here's another thing that we do when we worship. And I want you to really pay attention to this one because I think this one is so powerful. When you come to worship, the correct way to worship is to confess your sins to God while you're worshiping Him. Psalm Chapter 51, verse number 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And if you don't practice this already, I would really encourage you to do so. When you come to church, when you come to church and you're in the presence of the Lord, the feeling should be, man, I am just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. I have so much going on in my life. I've made mistakes. I, 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 I'm just lucky to be in God's presence this morning, right? One of the things that I practice, and I think many of you practice, is before you take that communion, what are you doing? When you think about what Jesus did on the cross for you, before you take that communion, you're going, man, Lord, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just a worm, as the song says. I'm I'm broken. I'm filthy rags before you. I am wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. And when we do that, you know what God is doing the whole time? He's saying, I know, I know, but guess what? I still love you. And I think God is proud when we do that. Lord, I'm just guilty. That's humility. And I think that's the correct way to worship. And that's why that communion time is so important to say, hey, look, I'm guilty. I'm guilty and I need help. And then lastly, Execute what you learned. I want to look at this uh, passage real quick. It's 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. As we approach God through worship, He actually wants us to apply what we have learned while in His presence. You see, I truly believe this. Whenever we gather in the presence of the Lord, He has an individual message for each and every one of us. God wants you to know something this morning, and He's got a message that's tailor-fitted for you. And the question is, did you hear what God's message was for you? We say this every single time we gather on Wednesday night when we do Bible study. 
I pray that the Lord would reveal his message to us and that we'd be able to execute it. You see, God has, it's amazing to me that how I can preach a sermon, right? And I, and I have this, this uh, thesis that I want everybody to get, right? And then after the week is over and I sit and talk to Alicia and she gives me a critique of the sermon, which I asked for, okay, which I asked for, I say, Alicia, what do you think? And she got something totally different than what I was trying to communicate, right? And I'm like, it's either me or maybe God is doing something. And that happens from time to time. God has a message for you in all of this, a very specific message. And then I think at the same time, he gives us a collective message. It's really interesting. And then God says this, now that you heard it, now that you know what I want you to do, you know what he says? Do it. But oftentimes what we do is we say, that was a good message. Wow, that was, wow, whoo, wow, he, he really brought it today. And then that's it, right? But God says, when you hear the message, now execute the plan, right? Do what you learn today. And if God is talking to you this morning, he wants you to do something, whatever's churning in your heart and poking at your spirit. And I want to close with this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. I want to leave with some practical application. Uh, At the bottom of your sermon outline, it says, great sermon, now what? Right? Great sermon, now what? I want to give you some practical application this morning. Now that we know how to worship God correctly, what can we practice and execute this week? God is wanting you to do something with this message. What does he want you to do? I want to give you a couple of ideas so that you can apply them this week. Passage that I want to look at is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. The writer here says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good, and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased, right? That's, that's our message for us this morning. And, and the real, really, really the thing that I want you to focus on this morning is how can we learn to continually offer sacrifices of praise? What can we do? What can we practice this week to help us with that, okay? Uh, here's a little bit of call and response. You ready? That's preparatory command, Okay. God is good all the time, and all the time, wow, I'm impressed. Let's try that one more time if you're new. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Amen. God is good. One of the things that I want you to practice and execute this week is I want you to say, God is good. Okay, can you do that this week? When you're at the grocery store and that checkout clerk says, how was your day today? What are you going to say? Right? When you run into your neighbor who is trying to run from you and get into the garage and hurry up and not say hi, and when you turn and look at them and they look at you, what are you going to say? God is good, right? When you have that family member or that friend that says, how was your day going? What are you going to say? God is good. And you'll be surprised what that does. Number one, it throws people off. It really does. Alayla said, Dad, can I practice that? I said, yeah. She said, can I send it in a text message? I said, do whatever you want to do. 
God is good, and what we're doing is we're offering praises to Him, and we're also letting people know how good He is. So if you believe that, I want you to practice that this week, if you can, okay? This week, just keep that with you. God is good. The second thing that I want you to do this week is I want you to do this thing that you may have heard of or know what it is. It's called pay it forward. Do you know what that is? Pay it forward. You can actually do this today because I know some of y'all are going out to eat after church today. Some of y'all are going to Lucille's. Some of you guys are going to Pepino's, Maggiano, wherever you go. Wendy's, whoever you are, right? Wendy's, wherever you go. This week, I want you to pay it forward. Can you do that? When you're in a restaurant and you're enjoying your meal and it's so good and you look over and you see a family over there enjoying their meal, you know what would be really nice, church, is if we went out of our way and paid for that family's meal. Now, if they're a family of 22, I would say probably not that, okay? But if you see maybe a a senior sitting by themselves or a couple or a young family, pay for their meal. Can you do that? And don't say anything about it. That's a great way to give God glory. And hopefully they're supposed to pay it forward. So we're just praying that that would happen. All right. So I would encourage you to do that. And if you're on a budget, go to Wendy's, right? Go to McDonald's or wherever. But pay it forward. Try that. And God is well pleased. And then lastly, the last thing that I want you to do this week is I want you to share a smile and say hello. We live in a culture where we don't say hi, right? I was walking my dog the other day down the street, and I had two people walk coming towards me, and I look at them, and I was going to say hi, but they put their heads down and kept walking, right? And I said, what is it? What is it? I may have had my Raiders hat on, but that's not the point, right? That's not the point. That's not the point. But, you know, we live in a culture where we really don't talk to people. It was interesting. We went, I was in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised when people would come up and talk to me. I was surprised. It caught me off guard, right? I was doing some fishing, and usually fishermen, we don't talk. And if we do, it's, they're over there, or they don't say much, right? I had a fisherman come up to me and say, hey, how's your day going? I use this kind of bait. I was blown away. I didn't know what to say. Like, I was mute, right? What I want you to do this week is when you pass people, I want you to say, hello, Hello, and smile, okay? Can you do that? You'd be surprised what it does, and I believe that God is well pleased when we do that because what we're doing is we're continually offering sacrifice of praise and we're also sharing with others. And that's what God wants from us when it comes to our worship, and that's how we approach Him correctly. By way of invitation this morning, we've got a song selected. If there is anyone that needs to respond to the message, maybe you haven't been worshiping God in the correct way. Maybe you've been letting things get in the way. This invitation is for you. There's no judgment here. You can come forward. The church will pray with you. We'll pray for you to encourage you. Maybe this morning you're wanting to put Jesus Christ on in baptism. We'll make it happen anyway, okay? We're going to make it happen anyway. We'll baptize you today. I don't know where, but we're going to make it happen, okay? If you want to be baptized today, you can be baptized in water and add it to the church and have your sins and iniquities washed away. We always give that opportunity for you. We're going to have some of our shepherds up in the front, some in the back. So if there's anyone who needs to respond to the message, you'll have that opportunity. So whatever your needs or concerns are this morning, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation.
Live for Jesus, oh my brother, his disciples ever be. Render not to any other what alone the Lord should be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, 